With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Volume. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel. It's NFL playoff time, and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and easy to use. FanDuel has exclusive offers, boosts, and more all month long. When you win... You'll get paid fast. FanDuel has a lot of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, so much more. Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. Combine multiple bets in the same game in a same-game parlay and try out Same Game Parlay Plus. And now, FanDuel is live in Ohio, so people in Ohio Get in on the action immediately. Use the promo code BOXING. That's how they know I'll send you. And download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. Welcome back to another Boxing with Chris Mannix. As always, you can listen to the show live on the AMP app. Just follow Chris Mannix on AMP. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. So what do you think of the new setup? The money must be rolling in with the high ratings that I'm bringing to the table. Because look at this. We got fancy microphones, fancy lights. We got leather chairs. We got... Cheap coffee. I mean, they're paying you good, Manic, so you better be compensating me for this. I'm experimenting here. The podcast, as always, will be available on this feed, audio version, this feed, The Herd with Colin Cowherd, all the usual places you listen to audio. But if you want to watch some video elements to it, we're going to start putting some stuff on YouTube. So I've got a little makeshift studio set up here in a room, and uh, we're... Who the hell will want to see you like live? We I mean, are... Maybe you know, on, me. We are on TV, you know, right? Like, we're on TV. Why are you... Don't fix your hair. It's YouTube, right? Yeah, but it's I'm like on camera. It's like tens of so people. I'm on camera, so I got to look good. Probably watch. Sergio Mora, if you missed it, is here. Former junior middleweight champion, DAZN broadcaster. Um, Sergio, we did not call the Gervonta Tank Davis, Hector Luis Garcia fight last night. Well, last week. Uh, but we both watched it. Um, good performance by Tank Davis. Uh, as often... Kind of a slow burn with Tank. He, you know, gets off to a slow start, but you know, picks it up in the middle and late rounds, and 
as usual, he gets a knockout. Hector Luis Garcia does not come out of his corner after that eighth round. Your uh, your takeaways from Tank and Garcia? Well, Tank is a calculating, dangerous puncher. Uh, you know, he's not a reckless, a reckless uh, go for the head in the first couple of rounds. Even though he has that power to to turn anyone, knock every, anyone out, but he doesn't go that way. So he, he's calculating. He's patient. He's very smart. He's an intelligent killer. That that's basically what I got because he took his time with Rolly Romero. He he took his time with uh, Isak Cruz, and he took his time with Garcia. And with Garcia, he was able to knock him out. And that's what's impressive about him. You know, not only does he beat unbeaten fighters, but he knocks him out in sensational fashion. And he's a proven ticket seller. So not only that, he's putting butts in seats and he's putting opponents on their butts. Who doesn't like that? The ticket selling is undeniable at this point. It's like wherever Tank Davis goes, he sells out the venue, whether it's LA, Brooklyn, Atlanta, now DC. And these are real gates. These aren't papered gates. Mm -hmm. These are $5 million gates, 4 million in Brooklyn in his last fight. So outside of like Canelo Alvarez, and Anthony Joshua over in the UK, maybe now Tyson Fury, I guess. But outside of those guys, there's nobody that sells tickets like uh, like Javante Davis. It's incredible. Like I don't even like he's got he has done what Floyd Mayweather did, you know, 15, 20 years before him. He has drawn in his audience, and he has a loyal, loyal fan base. And it's a different fan base than, than most. You know, it's it's more of the East Coast fan base. You know, whenever you 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 got popular fighters, you break them off in in West Coast, Southern fighters, and East Coast fighters. He's he's a popular attraction in the East Coast. He's a bona fide ticket seller. Once he can go across the the, the country and start doing that, you know, consecutive uh, cons- consistently. I mean, that's when you got an international star because then you could fight him anywhere. And, There's and no place he doesn't sell tickets. Like, you could put him in Chicago. He'd probably right. sell a ton of tickets. It's wild. Like, he is a legitimate star in all of boxing. Everyone Look. likes power, man. It's, everyone loves power, man. And, and and he goes for the knockout. Not only that, you know, the backflips off the turnbuckle. You know, he, he comes out with that swag, you know, usually with the rapper, you know, uh, 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 leading him out. I never he, liked that, though. Like, the, I not, love Not because I don't like I the rapper, it. but, like, these guys are never actually singing. It's I all lip syncing. It's lip syncing, but so what? I mean, America's Got Talent's probably lip syncing, but. No, it's not lip syncing. Okay, well, Got there's Talent. a lot of lip syncing in, in, on television, and I don't care. It's a show, and he's putting on a show because he's a showman. So he's, he's knocking them out, he's flipping, and everything is everything's going right for him. See, I was impressed with the performance because I was one of the people that thought Hector Luis Garcia was a real opponent. Um, you know, this was being billed as a stay busy fight for Tank Davis, but Hector Luis Garcia came into this fight undefeated. I know you love undefeated fighters. Coming off the best two wins of his career against Chris Colbert and Roger Gutierrez, he had a phenomenal trainer in his corner in Bob Santos, who, by the way, had a good game plan for that fight. I thought Hector Luis Garcia fought the right game plan for the first six, seven rounds, eventually got caught. But Tank Davis, look, I don't don't like it a lot. I, I don't love it when broadcasters or whoever talk about a fighter downloading data like that. That's oftentimes a way to explain slow starts, but tank Davis really does look like he's figuring out how a guy fights, how he's going to fight him, what he's going to allow him to do and then processes it and then takes advantage of it. You saw after that fifth round, he just took over landing big shots, lunging in, you know, and that's that uh, eighth round. He was dominant. You know, landing some huge shots so big that Hector Luis Garcia was like, nah, I'm good. I'm good to go out there at the start of the ninth. So do you give credit for uh, him being patient uh, 
to Bob Santos or are you giving Tank uh, uh, the credit for following that game plan? Well, no, Luis Garcia, Hector Garcia had Bob Santos. I'm That's sorry. what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, Hector Luis, no, Hector Garcia had a good game plan. Bob Santos gave him a good game plan. Early on, if you misunderstood saw, you, gotcha. right? No, early on, if you saw, like it, it's it's very clear that Bob Santos and Hector Garcia. How many fights has Bob Santos been with Garcia? Uh, Not several, many, right? Several. Well, at least several. At least all last year. That's for sure. So what? Two. I, I don't know what his what the history was. Bob Santos got a bunch of those Dominican fighters and does really well with them. Um, they obviously watched the last fight where Roly Romero overextended himself and went for the not went for too much too soon. That's how he got knocked out. Bob Santos also was in the corner for Mario Barrios. So he had an idea of how tank fights and mm. kind of what his best weapons are. Uh, and they were patient early. They didn't overextend themselves. They threw the jab. They operated. Yeah, they, they just didn't get overly aggressive. But Tank, he's got a way of figuring out. When he starts walking you down, you better have something big coming back to keep him from doing that. And Hector Garcia just didn't have enough pop. That's always the case. But uh, what he needed was he needed resilience and he needed Bob Santos to actually wake him up saying, no, we, we, why'd you stop boxing? See, I, I want to get what, to this. Whenever, oh, no. Okay, when, go ahead. What, 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 yeah. Whenever you have a fighter hurt, the, the trainer can't be there for you. You're going to have to figure it out by yourself. But the coach could tell you, listen, man, we got a minute to recover. This is what you got to do. You got to move. You got like Dundee told Ali dance, baby dance. You know, you got to find a way to get those cowwebs cleared. You can't just go to your corner and I'm going to say it, man. And I tweeted it. I'm, I don't you care. Did. I just, well, I knew you were going. Okay. Garcia quit. All right. Let's talk about okay? this though. All right. Hector Luis Garcia and it's said, probably not the first time he's undefeated. What are you, I'm telling you, I'm talking, <laughs> It's probably not the first time because once you do it the first time, it's easier the second time. So you don't believe him that he said he couldn't see out of that right eye or you don't care? No, no. Of course I care. I just don't believe him. No. Because I've been in boxing long enough to know when, whenever there was no cuts. What? Why can't he see? A punch A punch caused him not to see? I don't know. I've never I, been no, punched I, like I, that. I, so. That doesn't happen. The, the, doc, the doctor didn't stop it. The referee didn't stop it. Nobody stopped it but himself. So you've never heard of the idea of a, he got clipped in the side of the head Anytime, on, right at the end of that round, I, end of the eighth every, round. Everyone's got clipped by the side of the head. No matter how, how hard you get hit, yes, you see lights. Yes, you feel the little ants crawling all over your body and your, your neck. That's part of being hurt. Unless this man's never been punched that hard in the gym and everyone's gotten punched that hard. When you start boxing, you get hit the hardest because you don't know how to duck. You don't know how to, you know what that feeling is like, but you got to recover. You got to know how to stay patient. You got to know how to, how to uh, grab your opponents. The bell rang. He was able, he had one minute to recover. He didn't even bother that. You know, he just said, I can't see the, the, the trainers told him this and that. And, and they stopped the fight. I, I yeah, man. I, I I don't like what I saw, and I, I was disappointed. I, I he, don't get me wrong. I felt he quit. I was disappointed in a close fight. In a close fight. Well, not according to the judges. The judges said that way <laughs> too a, wide. I thought it was a close fight. I thought it was a close fight too. So didn't Steve Farhu, who I think is the you know, the gold standard when it comes to unofficial and official mm-hmm. uh, boxing judges. I don't know what those judges had it uh, that score for. But my thing is, if you really couldn't see out of that right eye, like going out there, he would have gotten slaughtered. Like Tank was coming in, he was going for the knockout. He just would have been part of the Tank Davis highlight reel. Maybe you realize yeah. that. So you think he should have got out there and taken a beating like that? Is that the job? Look, man, I know what I would have done, and every everyone else would have done. Uh, uh, every you other would have faked a knee injury. Every other champ, every other champion would tell you exactly what they would have done. I got knocked down five times. I got up every single time. Don't tell you me did. I faked it. You did. That's uh, actually my ringtone. You getting knocked down five uh, times. 
yeah, man, you, you got to figure out, you got to find out a way to win. Your hand is hurt. Okay, you got another hand. Uh, one eye, you got Vaseline in it. You got a cut, blood streaming in it. Okay, you got another eye. There, you got to find a way, man. This is just the way old school fighters are. And now there's a new school way of, of just being able to um, find a way to get out by okay. saying the right things. Okay, so this was viewed as a tune-up fight, a stay-busy fight before the big one, Ryan Garcia, which is right now scheduled to take place in April. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. What you saw out of Tank, does that change your opinion in any way about how a fight against Ryan Garcia would go? You know, uh, I've used this comparison before. I think that would be our generation of a war. You know, the war with Hagler and Hearns. It just lasted three rounds, and both of them got hurt. You know, and you know, ultimately Hearns was the one that got knocked out. Uh, I see that similar because Hagler was a southpaw. Geronte Davis is an aggressive, come-forward, power-punching southpaw. Garcia is a tall, lanky, skinny puncher, knockout artist as well. And they just have so much uh, resentment and anger towards each other. Well, not anger, but they really want to fight. And I just see it, you know, starting off fast and both of them getting hurt. And I don't, go, I don't see it going past four rounds. So, I, yes, I do think that something changes because... I've seen in the last couple of performances by Tank that he starts late, whether he's downloading information, like you said, or he's studying his opponent, or he's walking him down, or he's taking his time, whatever it is, it takes him about five rounds. Well, and if, if Ryan Garcia can start off fast, surprise him with that speed, surprise him with that check left hook, let uh, Tank get over aggressive uh, trying to get back a counter, maybe he can clip him, maybe he can drop them, making, maybe he can start off fast, maybe, 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 maybe. I just see it differently because of, of Tank's slow start. I think Ryan's start is the key. We've seen Ryan pick up a number of first-round knockouts, whether it's Romero Duno, Francisco Fonseca, and he was able to pick those up because those fighters made big mistakes in the early round. You saw Duno just walk into a big right hand. Mm. Fonseca walked into... I mean, like, dropped his hand for a split second and then walked into a big leg left hook. That's That's what... Gervonta is going to have to be careful about. But I also think, I think Ryan can still win even the later rounds. Like, I saw no. Gervonta, you, you don't think? No, I, I saw Gervonta kind of open up. When he opens up, he leaves himself open too. Here's the, here's the thing. I don't think Ryan wins a decision. I don't think no, he I don't win. think he wins a decision either. I don't I, think actually, he, I don't know who wins a decision. Tank's not a volume puncher. I really don't think uh, uh, Ryan Garcia will, will be able to to withstand that pressure that in we haven't seen Garcia fight on the inside we haven't seen him get mauled up by anybody Tank will do that in the second half of the fight and the first half could be respect by both uh, speed and power so if that fight ends early then Garcia has a chance but if it goes in the second half you've seen how Tank was coming on he's he's just non-stop and he's going to hit you anywhere he can hit you I can see him aiming that left hand to the chest digging down to the body making Garcia drop the elbows get it a little bit lower and that's when Tank could come up with the uppercuts Leo Santa Cruz style that dude's a monster man but Garcia if he has any chance it's with speed and those lightning hands in the early rounds. Do you think, Tank, you know, one of the shots that Southpaws have started to direct at Ryan Garcia is that sweeping hook that Luke Campbell dropped him with. Mm. You saw Campbell have success with it. I saw Javier Fortuna try to do it a couple of times, too. Mm. He just wasn't anywhere near as strong or capable of doing something like that. Ryan Garcia gets a hit like that with a punch by Tank Davis. It's game okay, over. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. We haven't seen Tank hurt. We haven't no. seen him get dropped. We haven't seen him face adversity. We've seen Ryan Garcia get dropped, face adversity, come back and knock out the guy who dropped him. That right there is points for Ryan Garcia. That right there uh, 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 kind of validates what I'm trying, the, the point that I'm trying to make for him. 
Because that's one thing we, we never know out of champions. No matter how hard they punch, you know, no matter how, how much of the killers they look, wait till they're hurt. We're going to see how, how, how much of a killer instinct they got when they're really buzzed and hurt. We haven't seen Tank go through that. I do think there are questions about both guys coming in, which is what makes this such an unbelievable fight because we have not seen Tank go through the kind of adversity that you're talking about. We have not seen Tank face a puncher on the level of Ryan Garcia. Similarly... Ryan Garcia has not faced anyone on Tank's level. He's faced mm. some pretty good guys, no beginning with Luke Campbell, but nobody with the kind of power of Gervonta Davis. Let me ask you one more thing about that fight. If you're Ryan Garcia, how would you fight Tank? Would you be aggressive in those early rounds? Absolutely. Try to stop him early? Absolutely. If I was Ryan Garcia, I would start off fast, baby. Fast. And I won't jab. I, 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 won't, give, uh, I, I won't give Tank anything to counter. It's going to be just check, check hooks. And once he's inside, right hand check, check hooks. It's going to be twos and threes. Twos and threes, no jabs, because as a taller fighter, you become vulnerable with a lazy jab, or if you go out there and double jabbing, that's when you get hit with over the top. So no jabs is going to be just slinging power punches from the get-go. So I'm starting to get a little worried about this fight. There's some kind of tea leaf reading out there that makes me wonder if this fight's actually going to happen in mid-April, as everyone seems to be suggesting. For starters... Uh, I, people might be listening to this on Friday. I don't know what the status of it uh, that day is, but the contracts have not been to Golden Boy yet over the first part of the week. That's significant. Like, you need to get that contract. Who are you talking for, about? The contract for Ryan Garcia against Tank. Tank. It's oh. not gone to Golden Boy yet. They have not received a copy of that co contract as we record this uh, right now. Once they get that, there's going to be a process that they have to go through there. The other part of it is, you know, Tank Davis is facing a hit-and-run trial on February 16th. That is when that trial is scheduled to begin. If that ends with some form of home confinement, if it ends with a slight uh, jail term, that's going to push that fight back as well. Also, Sergio, you've got Errol Spence, who's going to fight Keith Thurman. Supposedly, he's going to fight him in April. You don't do back-to-back pay-per-views. No, that never do. happens mm -mm. in boxing, especially not when it comes to the same promoter. I'm starting to get worried that this fight happens in April. And if it doesn't happen in April, you're talking about more time off for Ryan Garcia. This is where the argument that he should have taken a tune-up fight makes more sense. Because, as I said weeks ago, if you told me that Ryan Garcia was going to get the fight against Tank Davis in April, I'd be fine with that. But there are all these red flags popping up. Benavidez Plant, that's probably going to be sometime in March. That's a pay-per-view too. You get a whole bunch of pay-per-views suddenly clustered in that March-April range. And I'm not so sure that Ryan Garcia is going to get hit the date that he wants. I've learned, I've done enough of these podcasts to, to, to tell you that you don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Because you, last year... I'm the, the only one of us the, following the process. Last, last year, you were so adamant and your half was uh, half full and the, the black cloud over your head was gone. You actually believed... You believe that Crawford was going to fight Spence in November. And I'm the one that told you, slap yourself. There's no way. They don't have enough time to promote it. There's no way they're going to bring it together in six or seven weeks. That fight is not going to happen. A lot of people saying that Spence is going to age out Crawford. These guys are in their mid-30s already. They're going to be, come on, man. It's not happening. And you, you think that I'm not going to listen to you. I am not going to listen to you because you don't know. So whatever you say, I'm going the opposite direction. <laughs> okay. But do you not see my point? that there are some warning signs about this fight, not the least of which is Errol Spence announcing a major fight in April. Like, <laughs> No, I'm not going to listen to your warning signs. I, I, I'm an optimist, Mannix. Since when? I'm an optimist. And listen, man, I, 
that's another disappointment with when it comes to Spence fighting Thurman. That would have been a fight that everyone would have been excited three years ago, four years ago, you know, one time. Come on now. Errol Spence. And now... All right, we want to get. I don't hold to put a pin in that for a second because I still want to stick back to the card we saw this past weekend because we saw two notable names fighting on that card. And I want to start with Demetrius Andrade, the 168 pounder now, former two division world champion. He uh, defeats Damon Nicholson by unanimous decision. I watched that fight, Sergio. Classic boo boo, right? There you go. <laughs> like he starts fast, he picks up a knockdown, gets a he knockdown. gets aggressive early, and then. It's cruise control for the remainder of the fight. Um, did you see anything that gives you an opinion on what to expect of Demetrius Andrade now that he's at 168? No, because Boo Boo Andrade has made a fantastic career being who he is, a winner. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't give you anything to hit. He's a tall southpaw with a great jab, strong enough to put you on your butt, but disciplined enough to last the distance. He, he's, he, he made the U.S. Olympic team with that style. He's picked up two titles in two divisions. He's making a lot of money. He's, un, un, he's tall, dark, and handsome, like he likes to remind everybody. He's not going to change for you, me, or any critic, man. He is who he is. So unless... Well, not even that. I'm, just, I'm more asking you that he's 34 years old. He's fighting in a new division. Do you think he can be yes. as dominant at yes. 160? You do. Because, I mean, look, no, no disrespect to DeMond Nicholson, but yes. he is kind of a gatekeeper type of guy, someone mm-hmm. you face in your first fight at 160. Andre filled out that weight nicely. First of okay. all, he's six foot one. He has these big white shoulders. He was a huge junior middleweight. He was a pretty big middleweight, out bigger than me, bigger think, than I ever was. Right, but I didn't think he's a huge super middleweight. I didn't no, look no, at him he's saying not. he's massive he, he's, he's not a, 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 a huge middleweight, but he filled out nicely. He's six foot one, so he, he has white shoulders. He fills it on after the weigh-in. And like I said, he has everything. He has all the gifts, man. The only thing he doesn't have is that killer instinct, and that's what people you know, knock him for, the fact that he, he can have someone hurt and he won't go for the, for the stoppage. People don't like that. That's something that just innate. He doesn't have it. And you want to you know, compliments on saying an eight? Is that what you're waiting for right there? No, that's, that that's actually not. For? You kind of gave me this look like, do you like that word? Do you like no, that word? No, no, no. That, that, I, I used an eight before. I thought he would Instinctively. Look, I thought he looked fine. There's a, Again, there's a word. It, it was vintage Demetrius Andrade. You, you just didn't see him step on the gas in the later rounds. And this is my, look, there's no bigger Boo Boo Andrade fan over the last three years than me. I have been his fiercest advocate as anyone that listens to this podcast or watches the zone knows fully, even on Twitter, I'm just pushing for him all the time. But, but there's a, but there is a, but because Demetrius Andrade in interviews in the last few days, in the last week has said, what more do I have to do? What do I have to do? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? Well, the reality Sergio is that if Demetrius Andrade wanted the bigger fights, there are things he could have done. He could have, stepped on the gas in the first round against Maciek Suleski and knocked him out in the second. He could have, after knocking Walter Kautendakwa down four four times, gone for it and knocked him out on the fifth time. He could have not waited nine rounds to knock Luke Keeler out. Let me tell you this. If if Demetrius Andrade had fought all his previous fights like he did Jason Quickly, 
where he's like, you know what? This guy's not in my league. I'm going after him, and I'm going to put him down. If he fought that way in his previous fights, he would have had a Jamal Charlo fight. He might have even had a Canelo Alvarez fight. His problem is that he has not, up to this point, been able to make that big statement. He's getting wins, but he's not making a statement. And you know this. That's how you get the marquee fights. Hey, look, I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And 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 he's had, Andre, Andre has had uh, a unique, great career because he hasn't fought champions. Never. Right? A, and, a current or former world and, champion. Never. It's one of the wildest statistics I, I've ever seen. I've never seen that either. And he's made millions of dollars just beating number one contenders. Or, or, or Made a lot or, of money. You're right. Yeah, a lot of money with what people call a boring style with not knocking out people and going all the way the distance. He's had a fantastic career. So who are you or me or anyone to tell him any different? He's already passed. He's already won. He's 34 years old. He can retire tomorrow. He's going to be yeah, just but fine. He doesn't want to. He wants that marquee event. And he, he's, he's asking the question, what more do I have to do? That's the answer. What more do you have to do is go for it. Yeah, you got to go for it. But um, you were there in Providence, Sergio. And you, you know what? Sergio, I think you heard I think he will start going for it because he's thirty-four years old. And Didn't let me tell you something time. about bo- look. The thing about boxers when they start aging, they don't have the legs to go the distance anymore, so they start fighting. I mean, the, the greatest southpaw boxer of all time, Pernell Whitaker, he was the perfect essence of a, a sweet scientist a southpaw but once he got older he started digging down he didn't move as much he started going to the body rip ripping air you know and sometimes hurting opponents but he wasn't a puncher but he had that in him i think andrade in a second chapter of his career he's gonna have to for, force himself to, to stay in the pocket dig down and start taking some pun- punches not punishment punches and then learn how to learn how to uh, extend your career that way i just remember being in Providence when he fought Suleski. And I know going into that fight, that Team Canelo was watching him. Like they were watching that fight and seeing how it went and seeing if it would yeah. provide any kind of oomph to, to make a fight between Andrade and Canelo happen. And it looked like in that first round surgery, he was going to do it. He knocks yeah. Suleski down. A good crowd, 7,000 plus in Providence that night, <laughs> was going nuts for him. And then... The second round comes, and, and then it's what a little bit after slower, that? and a little bit slower, and, and all of a sudden, we're in a 12-round decision. And, and that ha- does nothing for him. It defends his title, it makes him a bunch of money, but it does not propel him into those bigger fights. And that, that's where Canelo looked at him and said, get the fuck out of here, man. Who you fight, man? You fight nobody, man. You fight nobody. And that's when he realized, I'm not going to give this guy a chance. He's just... You know he's he, he's he's not a ticket seller. He's damn he's damn good. Did a decent job selling tickets in Providence. In that Providence, his hometown. Other than that, but I like that though. You should sell tickets in your hometown. Karen Crawford sells tickets in his hometown. Guys, I like when guys can sell tickets in their hometown. It's not mm-hmm. always the case. You're always defending your own Boston boys. Look at you, it's Providence. A little bit different. Massachusetts. All right. Also on that card, Jerron Ennis considered one of the best young fighters in all of boxing. He goes. Not only passed the seventh round for the first time in his career, he goes the distance, 12 rounds for the first time in his career, defeating, I'm going to butcher this last name, Karen Shukadzian. Hope I got that close Karen. to right. Karen, that's his first name. Uh, Shukadzian was not there to win. He was there to go the distance. He was there to survive. Uh, started to exchange a little bit in that 12th round, but that was, you know, too little, too late for me. Um what did you think of the way Boots fought in that fight? 
Boots was Boots, man, just like Andrade. And just because he got in the distance and he wasn't a take, he wasn't able to knock out a guy that people expected him to knock out. All of a sudden, there's there's critics saying that oh he was uh you know he was exposed. No, he wasn't exposed. He dominated the fight. He pretty much pitched a shutout. You know, he did hard, pitch a shutout. You know how hard is it to win every single round against another professional fighter? He didn't take a round off. You know, he just wasn't able to knock out a guy that that one never been stopped, and two he was tricky. Three didn't engage. So no. I'm not like the rest of them haters that are going to flip. Boots is still a beast. He's still one of the top fighters at 147. And he showed me a lot of things. If he would have actually just stayed in one gear, then I would have said, that, yeah, man, he needs to work on other stuff. But by the fourth, fifth round, he, he realized that the body was going to be the ticket a little bit more. You know, uh, start picking up the pace, start pressuring him, start getting a little bit more physical. These are things that, that he, he learned on the spot right there and, and listening to his corner. I wasn't disappointed, and it was the best thing that could have happened to him. I know you hear that a lot, but to know in your gut, because you've done it, that you've done 12 rounds, now you're comfortable going into the championship rounds. So it was a blessing in disguise because he is going to need the 10th, 11th, 12th round against the best at 147. I didn't see a lot of legitimate people criticizing him for that. I mean, I I don't think he definitely didn't get exposed, that's for sure. Like, he, he... has a lot to learn, and I think we saw exactly that on Saturday night, specifically when it comes to cutting the ring off. Like, you know, as a fighter, <clears throat> that's not an easy thing to master. You know, Gennady Golovkin, in my mind, is one of the best in boxing, or has been one of the best in boxing at cutting the ring off. Yeah, Canelo but Alvarez. But that's where you got to start giving Chukazian some credit because uh, he was in great shape. He was in great fight. shape. Like, he he moved all twelve, and you could you could tell that he had international amateur experience. The way the way that he uh, maneuvered around the ring, the way he stayed off the ropes, the way that 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 he uh, was able to tie up Boots anytime Boots wanted to get something started in the inside. That's experience for you. Anytime you got a gritty, experienced guy. Uh, that's not afraid. That's another thing. He had poker face, uh, Chukazian. Who was the best? Like, give me some context here. Like, who in your career, who was really good at cutting the ring off? Because you were kind of a mover. You were a mover. For, I was a mover. You were a mover for most of your career. Mm-hmm. Like, who was really good at doing that? Who could, you know, who were you trying to move away from, but he just, he just kept finding a way to cut you off? Hey, Brian Vera. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then again, we fought in a 16 foot ring in Texas. But uh, no, I'll tell you who. And Are you allowed in Texas anymore? You kind of napalm them on the way out. I love Texas. Just hate the politics. I'll tell you who who was uh, an expert at cutting off the ring that was in the ring with. It wasn't a fight, but sparring, and it was numerous years, hundreds of rounds. Uh, Antonio Margarito, mm. probably the king of cutting off the ring, and uh, Perro Angulo. Uh, you know, I did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rounds with those two guys, and they can limit my movement uh, with uh, their expertise at cutting off the ring. Because if, if the ring is a square, they made you feel like you were fighting in two triangles or on a mm. triangle. You know, they, they knew how to make it, cut it in half. And you were literally not in a squared circle. You're fighting a triangle whenever you're fighting guys that know how to cut off the ring. Like so that. what is the secret to it? Because, you know, Canelo early in his career, the Arislandi Lara fight, I think is a good example. I didn't think Canelo did enough to cut the ring off against Lara. I thought he won the fight, but didn't think he did enough to cut the ring off. And Lara is a highly skilled Man. guy. Like, he's among the most Look, skilled guys at that point. 2014, Lara was about, legit. You're talking about Eddie's Landy Lara. I'm just saying, like, Man, what Cuban is... Cuban sniper. But what would you say to Boots Ennis? Like, what can you do to get better when you go up against somebody like that? Because maybe the, the next opponent won't be in as great a condition as Chukadzian was, but there's going to be guys that try to move on him now because right. they don't think he can get off his combinations that way. 
Um, well, whenever you're dealing with a mover like that, like I said, you want to you want to turn you want to make that ring as small as possible. And if they're moving to the left, you want to throw shots to the left to get them from stop moving. They're not really to land that punch; just to land on the shoulder. That way, you can really land the hard punch on the other side of the body or the or the, or the bicep or the head or whatever it is. That's one way. Two, you just got to get aggressive with the upper body movement and mm -hmm. not give him a, a, a target to hit. So if you don't give him a target, make yourself really like Mike Tyson, for instance. He would have that upper body movement just to get on the inside and explode. You know, he he, he, was an, he wasn't an expert, but he was really good at cutting off the ring with taller guys, especially with jabs because of that aggression. The upper body movement was great with so Tyson. Upper body, yeah. upper body movement and just making that, that side to side. Bam. <laughs> And starting at the body, you yeah. never, it wasn't head hunting. Mike Tyson always had that right hook to the body, and then he followed it up with the with the uppercut and the left hooks, and and he would turn southpaw, just like Boots. Boots would turn you know turn southpaw. He switches from lefty to righty, and he's one of the best to do it. Tyson would do that. He would he's a he's an orthodox fighter, but once he got on the inside, he would bang you away. And little by little, he was a southpaw fighting with right uppercuts and left up. I mean right hooks, left uppercuts, and fighters weren't expecting that. So it's a little bit. A little bit that Boots can learn off. Looking to get more of the NBA this season? Well, now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can do player props, player points, rebounds, assists, all of it, and so many more exclusive bets like the 2 by 3 two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Ohio. So Cavaliers fans, you can get in the action right away. Make sure you get in on it with great offers just for you now and throughout January. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in free bets when you join FanDuel with promo code BOXING. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Last thing for you, uh, it was announced this week. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And... That's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, that's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events... 
You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. It was revealed, I guess I should say, this week that Keith Thurman and Errol Spence Jr. will happen uh, reportedly in April. Uh, we knew that fight was coming, right? Like, that was the talked-about fight. Two longtime rivals who have been circling each other, top welterweights. We knew that part of it. What we didn't know was what ESPN reported, which was this fight will happen at 154 pounds. So when you heard that news, Sergio, what was your reaction? One, I thought we're not going to get what we want with Crawford. And uh, another disappointment, another, you know, what the hell are we doing here? These are the two best fighters in the world. They should have been like Hagler. I mean, I'm sorry. It should have been like Thomas Hearns versus Sugar Ray Leonard, two of the best 147-pound fighters fighting at their absolute peak. We're not going to get that anymore, man. I told you this last year when you were so positive that it was going to happen in November and this and this and that. I told you it's not going to happen. I, I'm still telling you it's not going to happen. But I think the reason he's moving up to 154 is to not out, out age or, or age Crawford. It's outsize him. He's going to outsize him because now he's going to force Crawford to come up. Anytime you have a fighter that's going to make weight comfortably in a higher weight division, it gets good to him. His body responds to him, especially the older you get. To drop back down, it's going to be it's going to be very uh, debilitating for his body, even if, even if it's just for one fight. You know, once you fill out nicely with muscle, it's hard to get back down like that. So I just think, you know, they don't want to fight each other, man. And and for whatever reason, that fight didn't happen. A lot of people blame Crawford, but whatever. He went across the street and went on another network, got $10 million. Now he came back and he's willing to make the deal. I don't know who to point the finger to. All I know is it's not happening. I'm oh, going to well. tell you again, it's not happening. Ever? You think ever it's not happening? It's certainly... Here. When it does happen, we're not going to care about it. I agree with and that And when part. it does happen, it's not. they're not going to be in the prime anymore. A, a man's physical prime, a fighter's physical prime is at 25, maybe 27, maybe 28. These guys are in their mid-30s, man. Mid-30s. Crawford's going to be 36 this year. Uh, Spence is what? 32, 33, 33 something like that. Year? Yeah. They're not in their prime anymore, and Crawford's certainly not going to... They're on top of their game. I they're don't, still pound-for-pound pound material, but their body is not at their as a fighter I don't believe for a second that Errol Spence is coming back to welterweight after this yeah. fight you just don't do that for with guys at this stage of their career and if you do you take something out of you and I give look I give Spence a ton of credit for staying at welterweight as long as he did this was a guy that at the Olympics back in what was it 2012 yeah 2012 yeah. who was weighing 152 at that time he came down post-Olympics to 147. That doesn't happen all the time with these guys. They usually stay at that weight or go up. Um, he came down, has been virtually a career-long welterweight. So he's been at that division a long time. Guys move up all the time, Sergio. Guys start at 147, move to 54, 60, 68, whatever it may be. Like, I give him credit for that. Um, I don't think it diminishes the Thurman fight. I think that's still a good fight no matter what. No matter what weight. But I think this does eliminate the idea that we're going to get 
Spence Crawford undisputed welterweight championship. I think that ship has now officially sailed. Man, and whenever whenever uh, Canelo hater starts to say, "Well, you know, how, you know, why don't you give other credits, other credit to other fighters like Crawford and Spence?" One, well, one, they never became undisputed at 147 or, or or any other weight. They never cleaned out the division. They never moved up in weight like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Spence has been a career uh, welterweight, except for that, one fight, I believe. That's that was what right it's, bef- that, since since the Cal Brook fight, he's been a, a welterweight. That's sure. what it takes to be a legend. I mean, they're great fighters. They're great champions. They're probably gonna be Hall of Famers, but they're not gonna be legendary. In order to be a legend, you have to fight another legend. That you have to be a legend killer, man. You have that's that's what that's what the '80s had. They they had legends fighting legends. You know, you had Benitez, you got Leonard, you got Duran, you got Hagler, and, and so many others that were good fighters. They would fight them. I mean, th- that's what it takes, and these guys aren't doing it. So they both have good resumes. They beat really talented champions, but they didn't they didn't face the absolute best, which is each other. Like I said, I don't mind Spence Thurman at 154. The fight itself is fine. It's going to be an excellent fight. These two have been rivals for five, six years now. I do, however, take issue with these sanctioning bodies who are just allowing you don't Spence say. to move up in weight you don't say. and saying, you know what? If you decide in like six months to come back down and fight at 147, we'll be here for you. Like, this is, my, I, this is why I hate sanctioning bodies because the IBF just sanctioned Boots Ennis versus Karen Shukadzian for the interim belt at 147. The WBA says they're going to grant a special exception for Errol Spence. You know why? Because these sanctioning bodies don't want to miss the boat if Spence does come back down and fights yeah, uh, Terrence Crawford. Of course, and a lot of money is to be made. I mean, anytime you see a champion carrying that belt, that yeah. But how fees. much would that piss you off as a fighter if you were oh, like goodness. if you were Virgil Ortiz or Imanis Stanionis? Like if you were one of those two guys, why are we fighting for a secondary title? Errol Spence ain't coming back down, and even if he was. Like, how about the WBA do what they love to do? Champion in recess. We love the champion in recess. The WBA and the WBC. No, no, no. They're not going to do that. If you're a star, you can bend, break, or do anything you want to these fucking rules, and it drives me crazy. Champion in recess. Champion emeritus. Emeritus, emeritus yes. Champion diamond emeritus. belt. Diamond gold belts. belt. Silver Franchise belt. Franchise belts. Hubcaps. They're all hubcaps, Mannix. There's only one champion. There should be only one, one yes, champion. Yes, but this is what I'm talking about. Boots Ennis should be the IBF 147-pound champion. Uh, the winner of Stanionis Ortiz, probably going to take place in April, that fighter should be the 147-pound champion for the WBA. Whatever's happened to the WBC, they, don't, they haven't got a specific mandatory, and I think Keith Thurman is number one in the WBC's rankings there. But they should do uh, number two versus number three, three versus number four for that belt. And if Spence wants to come back down and fight for him, he gets the right to do whatever he wants then. But we both know... It's unlikely we see Spence at 147 again, and these sanctioning bodies are just screwing over these other fighters. Yeah, a lot of people are to blame. The sanctioning bodies, the politics, the networks. There's so many, so many. On this subject, though, sanctioning bodies, I say this all the time. Sanctioning bodies should be good for boxing. You should be trying to elevate other fighters, not just clinging to the biggest fee. No, but here's the thing. They their opinions, the sanctioning bodies' opinions. They could be swayed with money, with dates, with... with of course okay. they can. Yes. So everyone gets swayed. It's business as usual. And that's that, not that, what the charter should be for them. That's not what they should be about. No, it's not. But that's what it is. And that's Wouldn't that, you be pissed that, off your boots? Have I would be absolutely... 
absolutely pissed. <laughs> like, why Very am I? Pissed. Why is Boots Ennis fighting for an interim belt when who, the guy that holds the belt? Who was the Who was the fighter that for a long time he he had a, a number one mandatory? Didn't it's he Charlo's sued. mandatory? He sued. He sued and won. Who was it? I don't know who that was. No, but Charlo's mandatory with the IBF. No, I, I don't think it was Charlo. It was no, someone but else. this guy is. He's been taking step aside money for like three years. Okay, now. but but. Uh, you can actually sue and, and, and win these lawsuits because if you, if, if, that's what fighters need to start doing. That's what fighters that are in number one position that aren't getting their shots, they should actually take the sanctioning bodies to court and they will win because the proof is there. The contracts are there. And if you're extending it and extending it and you're not taking t- step-aside money, that's it. Pay me my money. And that's how you're going to get respect. Just like get, get out of the way. Like Operate in an ethical way. This is not operating ethical. in an ethical way by allowing Spence to keep all these titles. Like, if he wants to fight at 147 and keep the titles, by all means, do it. But if you're going to go to 154, all these other guys should get the opportunity. This, by the way, is why Golden Boy paid so much money to get the Ortiz-Stanionis fight because they know that whoever wins that secondary title, pretty good chance that guy winds up as the full champion at 147. And then you can do a whole bunch of different things. You can push for a boot tennis fight. You can look for other opportunities at 147. Secondary titles have ruined uh, the, the meaning of champion. Uh, all, all these belts have, have, have watered down the word champion. And there, there used to be respectable uh, belts, you know, the green belt. That was like the one everyone wanted, the one of the oldest. The one you had. Yeah. yeah. And and now they're, you know, walking a fine line as well. It's just, you know, they got to, they got to, they got to play ball with the other guys. They got to keep up financially. They got to keep, you know, uh, uh, what do you call that? Moving the goalposts? Keep moving, moving the goalposts, yeah. That's what they got to keep doing in order to stay in business. They, but they really don't. They, they, they can stay in business. They, they don't need these massive fees. They just want to be part of these big fights and that's fine, but do it in an ethical way. That's my big problem right there. This is not operating ethically in my opinion. Well, we're in boxing, Mannix, where nothing's ethical. You certainly are not ethical. No, I am not. That's why I'm a professional fighter and former world champion, baby. Where's your belt? It's at home. I should have brought it. You know, next, you know, from now on, every time I'm on your podcast, I'm going to wear the belt to remind you not to call me a, 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 a titleist. I'm a, it says world champion in gold. I need one. That's it for this week's episode. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.